commodity. We look at people that way. That's why we have disposable relationships. We look at every single investment we make. The reason I'm doing this is to make money. And our culture is steeped in that. But this is saying, listen, there's a greater purpose at mind with money than pure commodity or entertainment. It's called being the people of God. And sometimes being the people of God means you waste money in the world's eyes, but you are growing God's kingdom, which is why he gave you the money in the first place. God commanded the people of Israel to live differently from the world around them. This included what we'll be learning from Pastor Daniel today. That sometimes how we use our resources won't line up with how the world thinks they should be used. We are to show the forgiveness of Jesus to people around us, being willing to forgive debts to show His love. Jesus forgave us every sin we've ever committed, which frees us to grant mercy to others. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, with his continuing study called Family Life. All right, let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15. Deuteronomy, chapter 15. As we continue our study here through the book of Deuteronomy, and I've entitled this message from Deuteronomy 15, it's called Family Life. Part two, because in Deuteronomy 14, we started focusing down in this second telling of the law on the way family is meant to work in accordance with God's plans and purposes. And last message, we saw things like the way that we mourn for the lost loved one, the way that we grieve. God cares about that. We saw the things that we should and shouldn't eat. We looked at the kosher food laws and we talked about some of those things and why they're there. We were able to laugh a little bit when we did that. And then we ended with the idea of our generosity, the principles of tithing. And as we move into chapter 15, it's always important to be reminded that the chapter breaks and the verse breaks, they were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're actually brought put in way later Uh, actually by one of the bishops of Canterbury, so that we could find things. So they didn't actually write, this is chapter one, chapter two. So they were inserted later. And I just bring that up because oftentimes we're surprised that when you go from chapter to the next chapter, that the same theme is running. You have to remember that the chapter breaks weren't inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were just put in later. And so the theme of generosity moves on in to chapter 15 and covers almost the entire chapter. But what chapter 15 of the book of Deuteronomy does is it helps us to redefine what God means by family. Because really what you're going to find in chapter 15 is that when we think of family, we think of our biological family, right? The people who maybe share our last name and the extensions. But for God, He believes in the family, but he really wants the children of Israel to see themselves as one large family. This is a challenging premise for us, especially in the 21st century milieu in which we live here in America, because our culture is all about the primary need of the individual. The need of the individual always trumps the need of the community. 
or the need of the nation. That's the way American culture functions. But I'm here to tell you that's actually not the way God designed us to be. See, we all individually put all of the necessity on ourselves. What I want. I want to be happy. I want this. This is what I want, right? But that is core selfishness. And that's why Jesus, even in the greatest commandment, Jesus says, the greatest commandment is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then what do you do? You love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, that's why even the most famous prayer, the Our Father prayer, it's not my father, it's who? Our Father. You know, and so the Bible places a strong emphasis on community, on thinking outside of yourself. And if you don't get anything else out of what I'm going to share with you from God's Word tonight, I want you to start thinking outside of yourself. And I'm here to tell you everything about our culture, we've all been raised in this culture, is everything about this culture has socialized us to think it's all about you. And Jesus says, you're actually joyful and blessed when you actually think about God and others. And when you do that, you're going to be feeling just fine. But the reason we live in a day and age where there's so much unhappiness is because everybody thinks that they can be happy being self-centered. And all you had to do is read the teachings of Jesus. And you would find that no joy comes from a self-focus. Joy comes from a God focus, and then the God focus lets us look outside of ourselves, and we begin to think about other people. And so, as we jump right in to Deuteronomy 15, look at what it says in verse 1. It says, at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is in the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it, or cancel the debt. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed to your brother. Except when there, that there may be no poor among you, for the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments, which I command you today, for the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Now, this is pretty fascinating. Now, we've seen this already in Exodus chapter 23 and also Leviticus 25. So because this is the second telling of the law, if you want to go back and do some recon on this passage, Exodus 23 and Leviticus 25, you'll find the same idea. But really what you have is remember the idea of Sabbath, that in six days God created everything, and then on the seventh day, then God rested, right? And that was part of the rhythm of the life of the children of Israel. Now what you have is that every seventh year, there's almost a Sabbath year where all debts are released, that whatever debt you owe, it is automatically forgiven you if you're amongst the children of Israel. Now, right now you're all hearing that, you're thinking, that sounds great, right? And the reason we're thinking that is because for many people, you're in a lot of debt. And so you're like, man, that sounds awesome. But you got to realize, that's not how this thing works. Like, so you just like run up your credit card and you buy whatever you want. And then at the seventh year, all debts go away. See, that's the way Americans think. That sounds like a plan. Let's do that. Right? But that's not what this is about. You've got to realize the children of Israel, they've just left Egypt. They haven't been settled anywhere. 
And they're going to go into this land. And God is saying, I want to establish a way of dealing with each other in an economic sense. That is the way to bless my people. Now, you understand God's whole idea, really, by looking at the very end of this passage. Because notice what it says in verse 6. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. So the idea is God wants his people to be good stewards. And because God is going to bless them when they get into the land, God doesn't want them to be in a place of financial indebtedness. See, this was long before you had credit cards. And the reason they give you credit cards is not so you can buy whatever you want, but the bank knows that if you buy whatever you want, you have no self-control. They're going to make money off you for the rest of your life. Let's be honest. You are a sucker for the business world, for the banking world. They know that you're going to spend more money than you can afford, and they're going to have you. They're going to make money off you for the rest of your life. So they just see you. You're just an easy way to make money, right? Now, we don't see it that way. We say, well, I just want this thing. I want this thing, and I can't afford it, but I'll get it on credit cards or this thing or that thing, and we spend this stuff up. And then we find ourselves indebted, right? And that's a big problem because now all of a sudden you're a slave to have to do things that you wouldn't normally do because you're servicing a debt for things you really didn't need, and then the cycle goes on for your entire life. Right? And that's the world that we live in. I mean, I just read, I just read research. Less than 10% of people have more than $250 in their savings account. Less than 10% of Americans have less than $250 in their savings account. You know? And so what this means is that, again, you might say, well, listen, so Fusco, like, come on, take it easy here. But we also live in a culture that the economy runs on us having to buy things over and over again. Right? And so you're constantly marketed to. And so what happens is, is many of us make terrible financial decisions. But back in the day, they didn't have credit cards. Like, you couldn't just buy something you didn't want. But people would go through the normal course of their events, and sometimes stuff happens. Like, you end up saying, listen, hey, if you give me that irrigation system, I'll give you 10% of the gross of my harvest. And all of a sudden, it's a smaller gross, and you can't afford everything, so you find yourself behind. Now, if that's happening within a culture where everyone is trying to honor the Lord and give God glory, when those things happen, the idea here is that you're not supposed to be making money on the hardship of your neighbor. That for a certain amount of time, you can, but then you just release the debt. You don't hold them to that debt anymore. Why? Because when one person is indebted, the entire community is. See, when one person finds themselves behind the eight ball financially, they cannot be as fruitful in the purposes that God has for them. So God says, look, every seven years, we're going to have a complete release of debts. And that's a very powerful reality. It's a different view of how to do economics. But this is the way that it's ordained in God's word. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant the release of debts. Verse 1, verse 2. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Now, don't miss the fact that the Lord's plan to release the debts of the people economically is a picture of an even greater debt release that the Lord has given. You realize that, right? Like, the good news of Jesus Christ is that Jesus died on a cross to release you and I from the debt of sin. And whatever amount of 
financial debt you can amass. That's nothing compared to the sin tax that we have all amassed that we can never pay, and that is why we believe in Jesus. So God's plan is never to, I'm going to give you what you deserve. God is like, yeah, that is justice, but I function in grace. And I don't want to give you what you deserve. I want to help you. I want to bless you. I want to move you from a place where you get what you deserve so that you can experience what you don't deserve. And the beauty is, is when somebody becomes a recipient of such grace, that transforms the way that they relate to other people as well. Do you remember that parable in the New Testament about the man who owed a whole bunch of money? And he went to the creditor and says, I owe too much money. Please, I'll pay it off. And he says, don't worry about it. And then that guy who got released of his debt, he went to a guy who owed him just a little bit of money and he roughhoused that guy. He threw him in jail. And the people went to the master and said, do you remember that guy who forgave his debt? Do you hear what he did? And the master was upset because we're supposed to pass along the grace that we've received. We do unto others as has been done unto us by the Lord. And because the Lord has released us from such a great burden of sin, then we can look at other people and say, I'm going to release you from the burdens as well because I don't gain anything by holding you to it because that's not the way God has treated me. Now, people all the time say, amen. It's exciting, but people all the time say, well, you know, Fusco, that's a great concept, but like we're living in the real world. And I'm saying, yeah, and God's design for the people of God is that we transform the real world, not to be the way it runs, but to be the way God intended it to run. You got to ask yourself, who is somebody who owes you a debt that maybe God is inviting you to release them from it? And I'm not only talking monetarily, because there's many of you in here right now, you are holding a debt to somebody for a mistake that they've made, and you're just never going to let them off the hook. But God is inviting you not only to let them off the hook, but to remove the hook altogether, because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. I mean, think about it. Like, I have no business calling myself a son of God because of the mistakes that I've made in my life. Before I came to know Jesus, even in Christ, I made millions of mistakes, right? But it's not like I come to the Lord and be like, Lord, you know, like, he's like, no, I've made you acceptable in Jesus. I know you did all that stuff, but I love you still. And God wants us to pass such amazing grace along as we've received it. And he bakes it into the children of Israel's economic system. Now, it's interesting. In verse 3, we get this qualification. Of the foreigner, you may require it, but you shall give up your claim that is owed to your brother, except when there is no poor among you, for the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. So the release was for the children of Israel, the family of God. And he's saying, listen, This is an important reality. And he said, I don't want there to be any poor amongst you because I'm going to bless you. And so what he's saying is that there's enough provision in the land for everyone to be fine. You know, I think about our culture in America. There's enough provision here for everyone to be fine. But I realize that our economic system doesn't function like this. You know, and some people are like, well, maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't. And listen, 
when God is the head of a nation, then it can function this way, you know? And so the government in some ways wants to push towards a more, we give all of our money to the government and they dole it out. Anytime you ever see that, the government officials get rich and everybody else is struggling. So that's a problem. But when the true and living God is the head of the nation and his heart is to give rather than receive, to bless rather than take, things are, are radical. So you say, so okay, so if this isn't the way our government works and our economics work, but this is in the Bible, what do we do? I think we should be radically forgiving people. I think we should go out of our way to forgive. I think we should go out of our way to release debts. I think we should be proactive in being unique in a greedy culture. I don't want to minimize. I realize when I say those type of things, people are like, well, this is the details of my situation, and it's not that simple. You know, and I realize that, so I don't want to minimize that. But I think you and I as followers of Jesus should say, Lord, I want to live a life that is gracious and releases and cancels out debt because I understand that grace has done that for me. And that transforms the way that we look at things, the way that we, that we move. So from there, from this release of all debt, so every seven years, everyone gets a blank slate to start over again, to not be encumbered by the mistakes or the struggles of the past. Now in verse seven, look what it says. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever he needs. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cries out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand, for the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Now, I think this is very fascinating because God knows the hearts of people. Now, you can imagine this, right? Imagine it's like year six and four months, right? And you know that in like, Eight months, it's going to be the year of release, right? And then you see somebody, and they are down on their luck. And they're like, oh, man, it's like business went bad, and this thing happened, and I really need a couple thousand shekels. And you think to yourself, this ain't good, because I'm going to give this guy the money, right? And then he's not going to be able to pay it back, and then eight months, and i got to release the debt. I just threw my money away, right? And isn't that how we think as people? Yeah, it's how we think. It's not wrong. But what I love about the Lord is he knows we're thinking this stuff already. He says, look, if there's among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open the hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. Wow. 
See, what he's saying is that, listen, the reason I've blessed you is so that you can help other people. See, this is the downside of the world that we live in, is that everything is seen as commodity. Everything is a means to more commodity. We look at people that way. That's why we have disposable relationships. We look at every single invest we make. The reason I'm doing this is to make money. And our culture is steeped in that. But this is saying, listen, there's a greater purpose at mind with money than pure commodity or entertainment. It's called being the people of God. And sometimes being the people of God means you waste money in the world's eyes, but you are growing God's kingdom, which is why he gave you the money in the first place. And one of the ways that we grow God's kingdom is that when we see another person in need who is part of our family, we help them. Like it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of God. Now, that's a challenging thing, isn't it? But you notice all this, he calls him your brother, your brother, your brother, your brother. Why? Because family is bigger than just your immediate and your nuclear family. And so we want to remember that God's plan, the reason he has entrusted his blessings to us is so that we can be a vehicle for those blessings to enter into the world. Now, it's interesting because there's some ideas in here, like in verse 9, you notice it says, and your eye be evil against your poor brother. Now, do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says you can't serve two masters, and he says if your eye is evil, dark, then your whole body will be dark. The idea of the evil eye in the Bible actually speaks of being stingy and a lack of generosity. And a good eye speaks of somebody who isn't stingy and who is generous. Why? Because the reason we have a tendency not to be generous with people is because we look through our eyes and we see all this stuff and we think, I'm never going to have enough money to do this. I'm never going to be able to get all these things that I want. And the eye is the primary vehicle for a covetous heart into the world. We see it. And then we want it. And so what goes on is the Lord calls that an evil eye because what it's saying is that you're looking and you're seeing in the wrong way. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, your whole body becomes darkness because covetousness or stinginess, a lack of generosity, completely misses the heart of God. And it ends up choking out your life in Christ. And so what's fascinating here is that God wants to make sure that we do not justify a lack of generosity because it might be a deficit on my balance sheet. On my ledger, it might not come back to me. And that's a whole different way to think about things, isn't it? Now, of course, you run into, and especially in our day and age, you run into, there's all sorts of people who their main income is working every church Like they're not working and they're just coming and knocking on every church's door and they say, you're a church and the Bible says you're supposed to help me. Now don't miss that also in the Bible it says if someone won't work, what? They don't eat. See, God does not want the name of generosity to cause someone to not be a viable blessing member of society. Jesus is Debt is a topic that can be difficult to discuss. None of us like admitting we're in debt to someone, nor do we like to admit when we need help. Today, Pastor Daniel encouraged us to accept help from others in our time of need. 
to be generous when others need the same. The Bible urges us to forgive the debts of others just as we've been forgiven of an enormous debt by our Heavenly Father. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver. Services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us, and if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, crossroadslive.tv. I look forward to seeing you soon. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel talks about the biblical view of servanthood. This form of serving others tended to be a choice, a way to make ends meet and provide for their family. It also could turn into a lifelong devotion by the free choice of the person whose debt had been paid. Followers of Jesus have been forgiven an enormous debt. We too can freely choose to eternally serve our Savior. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.